Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready to take full control of your physical, emotional, spiritual, professional, and financial health? Are you ready to experience great success in your life? Each week, physician, speaker, author, and radio host, Dr. Diane M.D. and her guests will give you tools and strategies to help you take control of your health and inspire you to live your best life. Now, here's your host, Dr. Diane Thompson, M.D. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. Well, hello and welcome to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. This is a show that is designed to inform and inspire you to a healthier lifestyle. I am your host, Diane A. Thompson, M.D., and as always, it is my pleasure spending 30 minutes with you on a Sunday evening with the goal that at least one piece of information will help you take your health to a higher level. I am really so excited to be on the show today, and I want to let you know that I do appreciate you being here. I know many of you could have chosen to be somewhere else, but you're here listening in, and I promise you we have great information for you. I also want to apologize ahead of time. My voice is not 100% today. As it turns out, I'm in love with spring, but spring does not love me. Uh, Every few years, I go through the struggle with allergies, and this happens to be one of those years, so uh, forgive me. I want to remind you of the call-in number. It is 626-414-3417. I know many of you call in just to listen live, and I appreciate it. And I would also like to remind you that the information presented in this broadcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not intended for diagnosis or treatment. Please consult with your health provider prior to making any changes to your health. All right, so, you know, in the past we've heard about vitamin D and and many of us, we, we associate it with maintenance of bone health. And I can remember from years ago pictures of children and adults who uh, they've gotten very little vitamin D and they end up with soft, thin, brittle bones, a condition called rickets in children, osteomalacia in adults. But in the last few years, vitamin D, it seems, is more important than we think to many of the things that goes on in our bodies. Um, It has been mentioned in many different diseases, cancer, heart disease, uh, just the list goes on and on. So it seems vitamin D has now become the celebrity among other vitamins. And to help us understand more about vitamin D and how it impacts our health is my guest today, Dr. James Dowd. Now, Dr. Dowd is an associate clinical professor of medicine at Michigan State University. And he's the founder and director of both the Arthritis Institute of Michigan as well as the Michigan Arthritis Research Center. He's board certified in adult and pediatric rheumatology and integrative holistic medicine. He is the author of The Vitamin D Cure. And this is a book, I actually read the book, very interesting book and filled with a lot of information. And it offers a simple and practical five-step program that can prevent or alleviate many of the health problems that we have in just a few weeks. Dr. James Dowd, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me, Diane. Well, you know, as I mentioned, um, this uh, vitamin D, many years ago 
we really didn't hear much about this vitamin. It, it was mainly associated with bone health. And suddenly we have all this information coming out about how it impacts us in different ways. What's going on? Well, I think it's a it's a couple of things. Um, the early research on vitamin D was done primarily by biochemists and um, PhDs, and uh, there was not a tremendous amount of research being done by clinicians. And that changed about 10 years ago when um, uh, Michael Hollick and some other uh, um, uh, clinicians began to do a lot more clinical studies with vitamin D, and we began to understand exactly all the different roles it played in our general health. Um, and, and, and that's around the time that I became interested in the molecule about uh, six or seven years ago. Um, uh, and it, it seems a new study comes out every um, every week. Um, uh, one or two new studies come out on vitamin D and, and diseases that it's uh, related to. So, what motivated you to write this book? Well, I was <clears throat> I was uh, raised in Houston, Texas, uh, and I, I currently practice in Michigan. Uh, and about five years after I moved to Michigan from Texas, um, uh, I began feeling uh, achy and tired, and my sleep was not very good. I began to put on some weight, um, uh, and <clears throat> I, it, I wasn't quite 40 years old yet, and I thought, this can't be just from age. I, 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 can't, <laughs> I can't imagine that being 40 years of age would cause all of these symptoms, and I and began to resemble many of the symptoms my patients would come in with, and I practice rheumatology, and so lots of patients have uh, lots of aches and pains. Um, and <clears throat> I stumbled across a patient. Um, actually, she was an African-American who was referred from out of my area, um, and she had a form of arthritis called pseudogout. And sometimes patients with pseudogout can have low vitamin D levels, and so I measured her vitamin D level, and I was astonished when it came back undetectable. Uh, so it was less than 4 nanograms per mil un below the level of detection of the blood test. And I thought, wow, this is bizarre. I've, I've, I thought that all you needed was casual sun exposure with your hands and face and maybe your forearms, and that would be enough to get your vitamin D level in the normal range. How is it possible for someone not to have any vitamin D? And, and uh, at the time, I'd been writing this um, uh, monthly newsletter to referring physicians, and so I thought, you know what, I'm going to do a newsletter about vitamin D deficiency. And uh, I stumbled across several review articles. This was back in 2003 or 2004 um, uh, of Michael Hollick, um, who's uh, in Boston at UMass. And uh, I, I was just astonished at all the different things uh, vitamin D touched on, and it, uh, I sort of fell into a... Uh, an obsession and became very passionate about learning more about what vitamin D might be connected to, and I started supplementing it myself. And many of my aches and pains went away fairly quickly after I started supplementing and making some of the lifestyle changes I discuss in the book. Wow. So you, one has to, I mean, there's so many patients out there who may be suffering from this, and, and they really chalk up their signs and symptoms to other things when, you know, maybe this is what's going on. Um now, you mentioned uh, your patient's level was undetectable. Why don't you share with us what's the, what's the normal vitamin D level? So there's there's still a, a bit of a, a debate as to what uh, the lower end of a normal vitamin D level should be. 
um, there's, there's less concern about toxicity because it appears your vitamin D levels have to be probably north of 100 nanograms per mil um, uh, and, and maybe twice that to, to see any toxicity. So, um, so there's lots of room on the, on the high end, uh, which, which makes it very safe. Um, but on the low end, there's, there's still a raging debate between the Institute of Medicine, which comes up with our daily recommended intakes, or DRIs, which used to be the RDAs. It's, it, it, all the, all the no, nomenclature makes things quite confusing. But um, uh, the Institute of Medicine um, uh, is fairly stern about sticking to a 20 nanogram per mil lower limit of normal, um, uh, whereas a number of experts uh, in vitamin D research um, have convened and, uh, uh, as consensus panels and said, you know, it really should be 30 nanograms per mil, and there's lots of biochemical evidence that calcium absorption is maximized at 30 nanograms per mil, and parathyroid hormone, which compensates for a low vitamin D level, is suppressed maximally above 30 nanograms per mil. Um, uh, and some of the functional outcomes in these clinical studies um, show that when in, in patients who have D levels above 30, um, uh, their risk for certain diseases like colon cancer are at their lowest uh, and don't drop any lower once you get above that level. So um, I believe that the low end of normal should be 30 nanograms per mil, and I'm in line with Michael Hollick and, and, and dozens of other um, uh, uh, vitamin D researchers. Um, and, and so somewhere between 30 nanograms per mil and 100 nanograms per mil is where your uh, blood level should be. And this is of 25-hydroxy-D. There are two different forms of vitamin D. There's a 125-dihydroxy, which is the active hormone itself, but we only measure in the blood, we measure the inactive form of the hormone or let's say minimally active form of the hormone that really serves as a uh, precursor um, or what we call pre-hormone um, uh, in the blood. And so when we're normalizing levels and we're measuring levels, we're actually just making sure the body has enough of the building blocks to make the active hormone with. We're not actually giving ourselves um, the active hormone or the most active form of the hormone. And, you know, one of the things you mentioned in terms of the, the higher level of normal, because you always worry when uh, patients begin to supplement that, you know, they can have too much of a good thing. So what are the chances that people will over-supplement? And if they do, what are some of the signs or symptoms they may uh, experience? Well, the, it's in an adult, it's actually quite difficult to to get a level that's too high. Um, I, you know, anecdotally, um, I have a story of a, um, a, the, 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 the age group that's probably at, at most risk for over-supplementation, uh, and I'll state a couple of reasons, are children, um, uh, and particularly very young uh, children. And there was a study that just came out recently looking at um, supplementation, I think it was in JAMA, Journal of the American Medical Association, uh, looking at um, they, this particular study said, yes, we do think that um, young infants should have levels between 30 and 100, and so how much should we supplement infants to make sure that their level falls above that 30 uh, nanograms per mil? 
and there were a handful of kids whose levels went over 100, and some of that's an artifact of uh, every kids are different sizes, uh, and, uh, and, and bigger, bigger children need more, and smaller babies need less. And, and, and our book sort of talks about weight-based dosing, and that, that sort of puts in another layer of insurance that you're not going to overshoot when you're calculating uh, a weight-based dose so that little people don't need as much as big people and you don't uh, end up taking too much. Um, but um, uh, So for adults, it's very difficult. For, for young children and infants, it may not be as difficult, but that can be rectified by just do dosing based on weight. The symptoms you might see, um, you can see some subtle um, uh, side effects or toxicities of vitamin D deficiency that can be unmasked by taking too many calcium supplements. And so I, I, I make it clear in the book that you want to be careful about supplementing lots of calcium at the same time you're supplementing vitamin D because the two of them will cause you to, you, you, the D, your D level goes up, you absorb more calcium, and then if your body doesn't need it, it has to, it has to dump it and it dumps it in the urine. And so we do see increased risks for, for kidney stones, particularly with high calcium intakes um, uh, and, and, normal, uh, or L, uh, and normal vitamin D levels. Um, so that's one thing you might, might see as a sign that uh, really you're taking too much calcium, not too much vitamin D, but, but probably should have it checked out. Um, most patients who get above 150, 200 nanograms per mil, they may start spilling calcium in their urine, um, uh, and that causes them to get up in the middle of the night and go to the bathroom. They can get dehydrated. They can have weakness, um, and, and those are the kinds of sort of textbook symptoms of uh, far too much uh, of vitamin D. If you're just joining us, um, you're listening to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D., and my guest is Dr. James Dowd, the author of The Vitamin D Cure. Now, one of the things that I should ask you, just basic information, because, I mean, vitamin D is not your typical vitamin, is it? No, actually, uh, we think of uh, vitamins as small molecules, and, you know, vitamin C is probably one of the first vitamins that comes to mind, and vitamin C is water-soluble. Um, its half-life is maybe a, a, an hour or two, and so it, it's rapidly excreted, um, or, or um, you, you, you get rid of excess vitamin C in the urine very quickly after you take it. Um, vitamin D is fat-soluble. And it's actually in the same family as cortisol and testosterone and estrogen. It's a steroid hormone. Uh, and <clears throat> as a steroid hormone, um, uh, it shares many of the functions of steroid hormones, which sort of gives you some insight into why vitamin D can do so many different things, as we all are familiar with all the things that estrogen does and all the things that testosterone does and cortisol. And vitamin D shares many of those functions and actually works in, in conjunction with those other steroid hormones to, to um, uh, cause certain effects. Um, as a fat-soluble vitamin, fat-soluble vitamins in general hang around longer in our bloodstream. And, and we, we, the term we use in medicine is half-life. So how long does it take for you, your body to eliminate half of, uh, of a drug, if you will, in this case uh, um, a nutrient? Um, uh, and the half-life of vitamin D3, which is what our body makes from sunlight, 
um, is about 10 weeks. Um, so that's a very long half-life in comparison to vitamin C, which is in the order of an hour or two. Um, so water-soluble vitamins like the B vitamins and vitamin C um, have very short half-lives, usually on the order of uh, an hour or two, um, and they're excreted in the urine. Fat-soluble vitamins like vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin K, vitamin E, these vitamins are fat-soluble, and so they accumulate or they can accumulate in fat, um, particularly if you have very high insulin levels, like in the metabolic syndrome, they can accumulate in fat, and so they have a very long half-life that's usually on the order of a couple of months. Um, that doesn't mean it never goes away. We still metabolize it in levels of vitamin D go down, so you can't just take a replacement for vitamin D for a couple of weeks and say, okay, I'm good, I got my level back up and I don't need to take this anymore. Um, your level will fall in, in, in 10 weeks to half what it was when you were taking the supplement and it will continue to fall and, and probably go back down to where it was before. Okay. Now, um, you, you actually covered this uh, a little bit when you talked about the patient that came in as well as your personal experience with having a low vitamin D level. But can you go over um, in a little more detail some of the symptoms that a, a person may experience when they have low vitamin D level? Okay. So the most... Uh, so what are the symptoms of vitamin D deficiency? The most common uh, symptom that I see in, in clinical practice uh, is fatigue. Um, I think that far and away this, this symptom trumps uh, other, uh, other symptoms of vitamin D deficiency. And it's, that doesn't mean that everybody that walks through my office door um, with fatigue has vitamin D deficiency, but vitamin D deficiency is very prevalent in the United States, um, uh, and it probably is a contributing factor. Um, when D levels fall below 20, um, uh, which is the Institute of Medicine's threshold, you can actually start, particularly when you get into the 15 or so range, you can start to see musculoskeletal aches and pains. I see um, it, it, it's certainly a, a complement of of variables that produce the symptoms, but when I see growing pains, for example, in children, um, one of the factors that's driving those growing pains is vitamin D deficiency, almost always. Um, usually, lack of protein intake um, and, and, and vegetable intake is another one because there's so many other nutrients um, that come from uh, those foods. In fact, vitamin D is, is important in helping you absorb uh, phosphorus. So in patients who have very low vitamin D intakes, for example, uh, vegetarians or vegans, um, we see that commonly in patients from uh, India and maybe Southeast Asia. Um, uh, so patients who are um, uh, Hindu um, are usually uh, vegetarians, and I very commonly see severe vitamin D deficiency among uh, Hindus um, because of their vegetarianism, uh, and, and they can come in with all kinds of aches and pains, depressed mood, fatigue, sleep disturbance, and, and much of this is due to protein, lack of protein and lack of vitamin D as the primary causes. And what about um, specific disorders or diseases that we're seeing uh, that they're saying is associated with uh, vitamin D deficiency? 
Yeah, it's, there's a there's sort of a, an easy way to remember that, and it's uh, um, is is to think of the letter M, and and uh, so things like uh, mood and memory we mentioned already. So depression has been linked to vitamin D deficiency, um, particularly um, uh, depression in obese patients and a mild to moderate depression. So patients who have very severe affective disorder or or bipolar disorder, vitamin D is not likely to be be playing a major role, although it may play an accessory role. Um, memory, um, there have been a number of studies. That the NAME study, um, uh, which is nutrition and aging study that was done in Boston, showed a link between um, uh, particularly vascular forms of dementia, but also all causes of dementia um, and low vitamin D levels. <clears throat> um, and obviously, these are elderly patients, so it, it clearly can affect uh, cognition uh, in, in later years. <clears throat> we think about muscles and bones, um, uh, so another M, uh, and muscle weakness. There's numerous case reports of patients with severe D deficiency, usually in the single digits below 10, who um, are basically unable to walk, um, and when they normalize their vitamin D levels, uh, they, they can return to ambulation or walking. And so at the very low levels, you can have muscle weakness. And, and in high-performance athletes, um, certainly you want to have a normal vitamin D level, although they're generally their physical activity is enough to maintain their D level. There are subsets of athletes who who suffer from vitamin D deficiency. For example, there's a there are a handful of studies published on gymnasts because they all work out indoors. They're not getting any sunlight. Um, uh, and they spend so much time, professional gymnasts spend so much time indoors that they actually uh, have significant vitamin D deficiency as opposed to athletes who train outdoors. Um, we, we're all familiar with bones and, and dentition and the effects of vitamin D on on that um, part of our body. And it's and it's not vitamin D is important not just in absorbing calcium for for bone uh, uh, manufacturing, but is uh, is important for absorbing phosphorus. So about a one third of our phosphorus absorption depends on vitamin D, and and we need phosphorus for really strong bones, and so that's coming from protein. The metabolic syndrome is probably the biggest thing um, these days that we link to vitamin D deficiency. So the metabolic syndrome is obesity, hypertension, diabetes, heart disease, gout, osteoarthritis. It's 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 a cluster of symptoms that is a, that is due to hyperinsulinemia and insulin resistance, and every one of those features has been at one point or another um, uh, either strongly or, or weakly linked to vitamin D deficiency, and, and that's an interesting story in and of itself because very high insulin levels basically um, cause lipogenesis, meaning it, high insulin levels as a hormone stimulates fat production. So all of your calories and nutrients that are fat-soluble are going into fat as long as your insulin levels are elevated. So all your vitamin D gets pulled out of your blood and, in, and is stored in fat. And Michael Hollick actually alluded took out, um, uh, melted the fat from patients who were having uh, surgery to remove um, uh, excess fat from uh, maybe gastric bypass, and he found a lot of vitamin D stored in, in body fat, um, uh, and, and insulin is what keeps it there and, and prevents you from getting it out. Um, and then finally, the immune system, um, uh, and not just from the perspective of uh, surveying you for malignancy to protect you from cancer, um, uh, and, and particularly 
colon cancer, but also breast and prostate. And But GI cancers probably have the greatest uh, link or the strongest link to vitamin D deficiency. And then the immune system for, for things like... Um, autoimmune diseases, multiple sclerosis. There's been some strong ties with MS, um, type 1 diabetes in children uh, uh, have, have been linked to um, uh, severe vitamin D deficiency early in life. Wow, that's a lot of great information. So we we now know exactly what vitamin D is. We know uh, the symptoms that one may experience if they have a deficiency. We know some of the disorders uh, that are associated with uh, low vitamin D levels. Uh, how does one go about uh, increasing their vitamin D levels? So that's sort of a, um, this last question and answer um, is a segue to that. So if we if we take sort of the natural way and you say, well, um, you know, uh, Homo sapiens uh, twenty thousand years ago didn't take vitamin D supplements, so how did they maintain a uh, normal level? And and studies on on um, uh, great apes. Um, some in captivity, but um, some in the wild as well. Uh, we did a study in, in our research center here on um, the Yellowstone wolves, um, and <clears throat> uh, the the average vitamin D level for Yellowstone yearling wolves was was 32, um, uh, which is that cutoff, you know, below which um, we think of as abnormal. And similarly, great apes in captivity have vitamin D levels that are usually well above 30 nanograms per mil. Um, And so how do these animals maintain this? Well, some of it may come from diet. So a wolf eats, you know, uh, uh, animal uh, proteins. They hunt and so they also eat liver, and they eat heart, and they eat the uh, the entrails of the animals. And, and the liver in particular has a significant amount of vitamin D in it. <clears throat> um, uh, many of these animals are outdoors. They live outdoors. They're in the sun, and so they're manufacturing a fair amount of vitamin D. And many of these animals are very physically active. So... <clears throat> When you um, uh, don't over-consume food, meaning you're over-releasing insulin, um, you also um, don't sequester all your vitamin D in fat stores. So the natural way, basically, to keep your vitamin D levels uh, up is to exercise, and aerobic exercise that burns fat in particular releases vitamin D from fat stores. Um, get outside in the sun, um, and before putting on sunscreen or covering up with clothing, clothing, get at least a minimal amount of sun exposure, particularly during the months of the year when it's available. Um, and don't overeat, particularly don't overeat carbohydrates because those raise insulin levels, and that insulin then drives vitamin D into fat stores. So that's the natural way to get your vitamin D level up. Since most of us are challenged with that because we have indoor lives, we work in an office and we um, maybe live in a cooler part of the uh, – like, for example, this uh, this weekend's probably one of the best weekends we've had in Michigan uh, to, to kick off the season, but, you know, it's May. So um, Mar- January, February, March, and April, it's too cold to have any skin exposed and, and really get any, any um, significant sun exposure, not to mention that the kind of sun you need is probably not available that early in the year this far north. Um, and so a lots of us, um, because of our lifestyles and where we live, need to take a supplement to normalize our vitamin D. And thankfully, 
um, supplementation is very simple, and, and the book talks about how to calculate a weight-based dose, uh, and there's some rules of thumb uh, for that uh, dosing. Uh, and it even has a nice table in it uh, that tells you how many minutes of sun at a given UV index. And now most of us can go on Weather Channel or um, under Weather Underground and find out what the UV index for the day is, and we can actually um, uh, do a simple calculation or look at the table, and it will tell us uh, how many. It can tell us how many minutes of. Uh, um, unprotected uh, exposure at that UV index will will be needed to make uh, adequate vitamin D. Now, in terms of the supplement, you, know, you go in the stores or in the pharmacy and you'll see D2, D3. What, what are patients supposed to be choosing if they're trying to supplement their vitamin D? Is there a difference? Yeah, so... Um, <clears throat> There are two different forms of vitamin D available for supplementation. The one you're likely to get by prescription from your physician um, is D2 or Drizdol is the commercial name, and it's a little green gel cap. Uh, D2 is derived from plant sources, um, uh, so um, <clears throat> it is not the same vitamin D that our liver makes um, uh, and that we generate from sun exposure. That's D3. The, the half-life we talked a little earlier about, half-life of vitamin C and half-life of vitamin D, vitamin D3 half-life being 10 weeks, um, the vitamin D2 or Drizdol half-life is only about a week. Uh, and so it's, it's cleared substantially more rapidly than uh, vitamin D3. And unfortunately, most physicians in the country, when they prescribe uh, D2, prescribe it in once a week or once a month dosing. Um, uh, and so they never really quite get ahead of uh, the game in terms of accumulating vitamin D and replacing your deficiency um, because the, the the D2 is being cleared so quickly. So I, and I'm pretty strong about not recommending I don't prescribe D2 and I don't recommend we use D2. Let's leave that to the plants um, and let's use D3. D2 by prescription, you know, you think about it, they're going to give you one pill, one gel cap a week. Um, so you get, for your one-month supply, you'll get four gel caps and you might have a $10 copay for those four gel caps. That's astronomically expensive to pay two, two and a half uh, uh, dollars a, a gel cap for something that's actually not gonna uh, not gonna work well uh, because it's cleared too quickly. Um, for $15, um, I can go to Costco or any big box uh, store and I can get um, uh, over a year's supply of D3 and it's actually more potent and hangs around longer than the D2. So I, I strongly recommend using D3 to supplement rather than D2 because of that half-life difference. Um, uh, and I just I wouldn't fill the prescription from the physician. I would just get some over the counter and use the weight-based dosing uh, uh, that we talk about in the book. And for someone who's uh, taking supplements, how soon do they generally begin to feel some improvement? Now that's a good question. So um, most patients, um, particularly, I would say those who are. Um, uh, really deficient and have more symptoms are going to see a more dramatic result than those who maybe have sort of levels that are just below 30. Um, <clears throat> uh, 
but patients who have profound deficiency levels below 15, levels below 10, usually within two or three weeks of supplementation, um, they will they will start feeling the effects of taking uh, vitamin D. So it's it's fairly rapid onset. And so, Dr. Dabb, for someone who purchased your book and read this information, what, what's the most important thing you want them to take away from this book? Well, so this book is, is seeing the world through the lens of vitamin D, and it's, uh, it, it was a, a very fascinating perspective uh, that, that I took. Um, uh, you want to you want to be cautious and not think that oh I'll just take this vitamin D and all of these health problems that it's associated with go, will go away. You want to link vitamin D to a lifestyle, um, uh, and 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 particularly the way we we raise vitamin D naturally, which is don't overeat, don't eat so many carbohydrates, get more meat and vegetables, lower those insulin levels, and exercise, and we will keep vitamin D circulating through our system. Um, but realize that vitamin D is a marker for this healthy lifestyle, and people who have low D levels usually don't have a healthy lifestyle. Um, uh, and it's that lifestyle, just like when someone measures their, your cholesterol and says, oh, my gosh, your cholesterol is 300 and your triglycerides are up and your blood pressure is up. These are all markers of general health, and, and just fixing the one marker won't fix all of your health problems. That's also true for vitamin D, but you need to use it as a big red flag and say, okay, I have a low vitamin D level, so that means there's a whole bunch of stuff I need to get to work on um, uh, and see it as this marker for your general health connected to all of these things. Wonderful. Now, I usually love to leave our listeners with a a tip of the week, and uh, with your vast knowledge and experience, I would love to get your take on uh, if you were to share one thing that our listeners could do this week to start them on the road towards better health, what would you suggest? Well, I I mentioned this in the end of the book, you know, I guess if I'm an author, I should say you should go out and buy my book. That should be the one tip of the week. But in the, in the and I agree with book, it. I have the book, and I definitely agree. <laughs> and uh, in the end of the book, I talk about um, creating a new vision for what kind of health you want to have. What what's what's your what's your perfect life? How do you feel when you get up in the morning? What um, what do you want your health to be? What do you want your mood to be? What what do you what kind of life do you want this to be um uh and and then start thinking about the details of what that is and i think you'll find that the lifestyle that i outline in the vitamin d cure is that perfect life that perfect life um uh you're more physically active you feel good you're motivated you sleep well at night you're eating healthy um uh this is you have to sort of set a vision and a target in your mind and and so it, this is where that vision is very important in in pointing you in the right direction and and getting you to to move towards those goals um and the vitamin d cure is a great tool uh for for helping you get there um and there are many other tools out there but um the, the first step is to see a different life for yourself that's that's a great tip. Now, where can our listeners get a hold of your book? 
I got mine at Barnes and Noble. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so you can get it in any big box stores online. So it's on Amazon, it's on eBooks, um, uh, it's at Barnes and Noble, um, uh, and many um, of the uh, book retailers will also carry it, or they can order it for you. Um, uh, you. You may even find it in your public library. Lots of public libraries have copies of of the book. It is in a new edition that came out in June of 2012, so not quite a year ago. Um, we we rewrote two or three chapters, many new references, uh, uh, and clarified um, uh, things that were not clear in, in a couple of sections. I have a new website. It's called drjamesdowd.com. The, unfortunately, the book talks uses the, the old vi- website, which is the vitamindcure.com. That should forward you to my um, name address, which is drjamesdowd.com. Uh, and there um, are all the archives of uh, my blog um, uh, and um, uh, information about my practice. So it kind of uh, united everything so, uh, so we don't have too many websites. And that's a great website. I actually saw quite a few of the blogs and it, lots of good information there as well. Uh, Dr. Dowd, I would uh, like to thank you so much for being on the show. This is uh, quite a bit of uh, great information. And as I mentioned, I do have the book, and it's it's definitely something that I encourage my listeners to get because uh, it, it's really filled with a lot of important information that can impact their health. So once again, thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for having me, Diane. All right. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. So, again, I I thank Dr. James Dowd for being on the show. Uh, His book is called The Vitamin D Cure, and as he mentioned, you can find it at uh, most bookstores. I do have a copy, and I I definitely agree that there's a lot of great information in this book, so I really encourage you to go out and get it. And if nothing else, start a dialogue with your health provider with some of the information you see there and and see what direction you want to go uh, in terms of your health. Um, and so, again, I thank him for coming on the show. Next week we'll have uh, Leslie Trail on the show, and she's going to be talking about being sexy after 60. Quite interesting. Um, and so you don't want to miss that. And, uh, again, I thank you for being on the show. We'll see you on the broadcast next week. Remember, your health is your wealth, so take good care of it, and take good care of yourself until I see you next week. You have been listening to Health Talk with Dr. Diane M.D. Please tune in every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com slash Dr. Diane Thompson at 6.30 in the evening Eastern Time or 3.30 in the afternoon Pacific Time for the best in inspirational health information. If you have missed any part of this broadcast or would like to find out more about Dr. Diane M.D., please go to drdianethompson.com. That's drdianethompson.com. Or like us on Facebook at facebook.com, Dr. Diane A. Thompson. That's facebook.com, Dr. Diane A. Thompson. Strive to be happy, healthy, and wise. Have a great evening.